Welcome to Ink and Magic, a podcast where we read and discuss the writing craft, world building, and romance of paranormal and fantasy novels. If you love books with bite, set in worlds of magic and mayhem, then you're in the right place. My name's Nikisha Shanae. I go by an S. And I'm Leslie. I write as Elle Penelope. And welcome to the show. Leslie, we are back at it again for another craft episode. Yes, I'm excited because this is another one of my favorite tropes. I think it's top five, marriage of convenience. And I am excited to see what you have to share with us. So yes. I it all down. I did. <laughs> I broke it all the way down. <laughs> As I do. Um, forced proximity is my favorite thing in the world. And marriage of convenience is a type of forced proximity. Like put them in a car. Mm. On a road trip, put them in a carriage on their way to bath or something, and uh, or put them on a spaceship. I yeah. am there for it. I never thought of marriage of convenience as forced forced proximity, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely true. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, I love it when you when they are forced to work out their problems because the way that I fight in a in in a fight, mm-hmm. I'll go silent. That's my whole family. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm <laughs> gonna go, and it's kind of a it's kind of um, a treat too because then I can just go in my room and read a book. <laughs> It's awful. <laughs> but when you're actually forced to talk to yeah, someone and face it, it work it out. It's hard. It's much harder. It's much easier to just read a book. Where they do that and they, they model the behavior. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So marriage of convenience. So I came up with a definition. So what the frick is this marriage of convenience? It is a trope. It is a trope where the hero and the heroine enter into a marriage but it's not a marriage based on love. I keep hearing that um, romantic love is like a new thing in humanity. <laughs> um, and most oh, like people, in the history of humanity. In the history of humanity, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like only been around for like a thousand years or so they say. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they would know that. But I, I mean, know. we didn't have a lot of writing pre a thousand years ago. So there was very few ways to let people know if they were in love or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but 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 most marriages historically were for practical or strategic reasons, but also in a marriage of convenience, a modern day marriage of convenience, or it could be modern marriage of convenience, it could be historical, it could be science fiction, it could be all various reasons in Romance Landia, but a marriage of convenience is is typically not about love. It's a it's a practical reason, it's a strategic reason, or it's an urgent reason, and they can vary really widely. It can be because someone's trying to secure a fortune. Maybe a grandma has written it in, in her last will that in order for um, her grandson to get the ranch, he has to be married because she didn't like his womanizing ways. Romance maybe- authors, like completely, <laughs> there's as many lawyers as there are with romance authors. Oh, the fact that there are so many wills that require marriage is always just amusing to me. I know. <laughs> um, like for historical, it could be about gaining a title or it could even be a form of protection. Like you enter the marriage and um, a, a, a lot of times with a woman, a man will protect, having her name, having his name will protect her. And then as the story progresses, the arrangement starts to lead to genuine feelings and deep emotional connections. And the beauty of this trope lies in that journey because I love watching the character arc from people being practical to losing their minds <laughs> and passion. Yes, this is my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. And again, because it is forced proximity, forced proximity is my favorite. And they have to enforce proximity. It's a fertile ground for the tension, 
for misunderstandings <laughs> and for gradual um, revealing of deeper emotions. Yeah, having that bloom, having going from friends, it's sort of similar to a friends to lovers, which mm -hmm. honestly is not my favorite thing. I am not a huge fan of friends to lovers, although many people are. But, I, and it's not enemies to lovers, it's somewhere between, because they're not friends or enemies. They're just people who are coming together for a reason. Sometimes they are friends or enemies, but you know, the trope doesn't require that. And often it's just, hey, you're here, you're convenient uh, for this you know, immigration, um, <laughs> <laughs> business promotion, you know, state thing that I need to have be married to do. So, But see, it can be. The thing that the other thing that I really love about marriage of convenience is that it allows for you to layer tropes. So it can be a marriage of convenience with enemies. Yes. It can be a marriage of convenience with your brother's best friend. Yes. So you can layer a lot of different tropes. It could be like um, opposites attract in the marriage of convenience. It could be boss and employee in the marriage of convenience. So you can layer a lot of different tropes mm -hmm. on top of this one. The cookie batter. And then you just add in your chips or you add in, <laughs> or you add in butterscotch chips or whatever you want to have in your cookie dough. Yes, you can. And me being me, I broke it down. So I think that there are seven necessary elements in a marriage of convenience. And they are, number one, there needs to be a reason. Number two, they say the vows. I'm going to break all these down a little bit further. Then number three, there's a kiss. They always seem to forget. Oh, crap. We have to kiss each other. What? <laughs> always. Always. Um, then number four, there's the fun and games, the falling in love moments. Number five, there's that mirror moment where they realize that, oh my gosh, I have feelings for this person. Number six, there's the dark night where the, the relationship comes under duress. And then number seven, the grand gesture where they talk about their feelings. Um, excuse me. They announce their feelings to the rest of the world, to themselves and to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And most of these, I mean, all of these are in every romance, basically, but I think they're especially important for marriage of convenience to see these things in some way. Yes. So looking a bit further into the reason for the marriage, this step is, this is where everything starts. The reason for them to get married, it has to be compelling enough to justify their decision to actually marry. And it often reveals a lot about their priorities and the situation. So it can be a number of things. It could be for financial gain. It could be for social status. Uh, we talked about lawyers. It could be, uh, there are a lot of authors in this, in this realm. However, um, the legal necessities it's a romance reason for people yes. to need to get married. Romance can, reasons romance are not necessarily reasons. real world reasons, <laughs> but we accept them in the fantasy of the romance. And but, it can be for safety too. And I also think that the reason really goes to the character arc um, or the character backstory, maybe the wound. You know, it has to be very rooted in who this character is and potentially how they'll be changed, I think. Um, I think if you kind of go back into it, like, okay, why... So why does the let's say that the son has the, you know, the grandmother's will says he can't get promoted unless he's married for reasons, romance reasons. You know, why is the promotion so important to him? What does he have to learn? How is that going to relate to the dark moment potentially? You know, a lot, I think a lot of times for one of these characters, the dark moment has to directly hit at the reason they were so gung ho on this marriage in the first place. And often those reasons are not the best. They're not going to be that wholeheartedness. They're not coming at it because they're a whole person. 
they're coming at it thinking I need to get married to get this thing I want because of this hole inside of me. And then of course the marriage ends up healing the yeah. hole, which is why we read them. That's why we read it. That is a thousand percent why we read it. I my I love writing marriage of convenience because I love writing wedding vows. It is my favorite thing to do. And I've done a lot of research on wedding vows and how people will personalize them to each other. And I love personalizing the wedding vows to each character based upon the wound that the other character doesn't know yet. But when they're saying these vows to each other, I feel like it's almost like a spell being cast because they have that each character has their reason, right? But now they're speaking forth this promise and it becomes like a spell, almost like, you know, you're not supposed to like give your name to, to the elven folk yeah. because they have control <laughs> and they have power over you. And I feel like these vows, when they're spoken aloud to each other, in the presence of their other loved ones and friends, it has a power over this couple where they're like, oh, this is real. That's interesting because I can think of a couple of instances of a couple of books where they don't have the vows at all. Mm. They skip over the wedding or um, yeah, it's just not present on the page. And even the last one that I literally just fin finished reading this morning, the, the Wall of Winnipeg and Me, she actively didn't remember her vows. She was so like, they went to Vegas and she was just so kind of, What's the world? <laughs> Just in, she was kind of blown. Her mind was blown that this was actually happening, that I actually agreed to this, that she later says, I don't even know what I said. I was not present. She was like dissociating during the wedding. Wow. So I think the lack of vows could also be an interesting thing to play with when it's the opposite, when it's like they're, they, you know, they, they go forward, they do this, they make this agreement, but often one or more parties are reluctant. And so how does the vows or lack thereof, um, you know, coincide with this reluctance to actually even have this marriage of convenience. That's so interesting. Hopefully she remembered the kiss. <laughs> she did remember the kiss. <laughs> because Leslie and I, we talk about um, the 12 stages of intimacy um, a number of times. We should put that resource in the show notes. Yes. But in, in the 12 stages of intimacy, it starts with like awareness, right? You don't get to the kiss until step number seven. And then you're more than halfway to the home run of 12 days. <laughs> but but you but with this, you get to skip over so much at this point, at this early point in the book. They're kissing, but that was skipping over a whole bunch of steps. Yeah. And even if it's just like a chaste peck, which off, often it is just kind of a chaste peck, it gets them lip to lip and it gets them that brief surge of intimacy that gives you the clues or you know, the, lays the groundwork for what's to come, which is always nice. And in romance, you know, we are all we are always thinking about that spark. It's mm -hmm. on the page where it's like the 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 earth shifted, the clouds parted, the <laughs> sun shined in my face. I can smell him. I can see the flecks of his eyes. Like we we go deep into the emotion of that, and the kiss is that first opportunity, or maybe the second, because obviously they they are aware of each other. But it's a big opportunity for you to give the clues to the readers. This is the one. Mm -hmm. There's another book that I am remembering that kind of skips over some of these steps, which is also interesting. One of the Noelle Adams books. Mm, now, she has a lot of marriage of books, but at least one of them starts almost at the end of their agreement. So they, if they were supposed to be married for a year, it's like month 11 when the book starts. So I, I think it's also I remember interesting. remember this one. I have to see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. Uh but yeah, and they've been fine, you know, and not, none of this happens until they're about to end. 
So maybe I can't remember if there's any flashbacks to the actual ceremony or anything, but there's so many different ways to do it that has, like, if, if the kiss is the backstory, if the vows are the backstory mm-hmm. that have taken us to where we start the book and the new inciting incident, whatever that is, just something else to. I haven't read a Noelle Adams in a minute. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think, I think she's still like on auto buy for me. I just haven't read it in a minute. I need to get back. Oh, I'll have a lot of fun books to come and take a look at. But okay. So after that kiss um, and there's, there's some kind of a spark of something, even if they still try to suppress it, it's the fun and games that falling in love moments. And during this phase, the characters are going to start to see each other in a new light. They're going to start to understand each other deeply. They're going to start, the the attraction is going to start to grow. They're going to be doing everyday activities like the domestic porn that we love. And they're going to- Cleaning, (laughs) Walking dogs. Right? So many opportunities. Feed me, right? Clean the house. Oh my gosh. You don't understand watching the man on the page clean the house or feed him. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? about the oral sex or anything like that. <laughs> Just yeah, clean the oven. Right? <laughs> Iron the clothes. Oh my God. Ovaries exploding. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the fun and games, the domestic fun and games, and you know, if this takes place in the office, then maybe they're working together on a project. But this is them getting closer together at this moment, which then brings us to the mirror moment where they start to, individually, they start to realize, wow. I have real feelings for this person. This is not just a convenience anymore. This is real. This is this is this might even be love. I don't want this to end. I want this to, to turn into something real. How do I make that happen? And I think that a lot of times, you know, some, some of these books are single POV. And craft-wise, it's really interesting to watch the other person fall through the POV character. You know, whenever I'm reading a single POV book, I prefer dual POV, honestly. But, you know, there are plenty of single POV books that I read. And you're always watching, you know, the other character, what's happening with them. What are the clues that the author is giving us through the perspective mm-hmm. of the one character that the other character is falling? And, you know, the, the lingering eye contact, the words that are mm-hmm. uh, cut off, you know, the expressions that they can read. What they overhear. Oh, yes. Overhearing things, finding notes or, you know, <laughs> things, things snooping. There's just so many techniques that writers can use to give us the other side of the story when we don't have, you know, we're not in their mind. And it, for me, that's like teasing those out and really watching closely for those is one of the best parts of reading those kind of books. Single POV is hard. Yeah. Yeah. I know I haven't done any uh, like shorts, but I haven't done a full length single POV romance. And because it's not my favorite thing, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. And maybe I'll challenge myself one day to do it. It's hard. And to make it satisfying and to make you feel like you felt the emotions of these people falling in love when you only get one side of the story. That's the that's the difficult thing. You no, know, our our Harlequin sisters of yesteryear, this is what they did. We didn't get the man's perspective. We got her or we got very few mm. interjections of the man's POV. It was mostly the woman's point of view going through this journey. I'm really fascinated about that. I know I'm going off topic a little bit, but I'm really fascinated yeah. about that 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 shift. Oh, from- in terms of the writing and how mm-hmm. people went to more dual POV later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that was about. I mean, I think it, it would be interesting to kind of research and see if there was why. If there was one book that was really popular, like somebody did it and they did really mm, well. That's a good point. Like, hey, this is a thing we can do. 
That's a I very good point. Yeah. If only someone was in an MFA program. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. Back to, so we're on step six of my breakdown, right? And so I think the the what happens after the mirror moment, the mirror moment is the dark moment. They have to come in, the marriage has to come into conflict. So that initial arrangement is threatened or it is ex exposed, which leads to a crisis. And it's going to test the strength of the, the couple's bond because they've started, they've developed a connection. Either they've told each other about the connection or maybe they haven't, but it's there on the page. The readers know it. And now the marriage is about to fall apart. And oh gosh, what do we do? Another way it can happen is, you know, you know by now that th those people are in love with each other, but if they are afraid to admit it um, or some kind of, it can still be an internal conflict. So yes, there's the external one where someone finds out they've done a, you know, the fake thing and they're going to lose the thing they thought they wanted. Mm -hmm. But it can also be, I've fallen in love with this person I wasn't supposed to. He's not in love with me, vice versa, or we're, on, we're too afraid. Our internal wounds are too much. So the external part of the marriage is still okay, but the emotions are just too much and one person wants to leave or, you know, whatever it is that it can be just as powerful for it to happen internally, I think also. And after that threat for the relationship, because this is romance and true love always wins out, there is a grand gesture to finish this off where one or both of the characters either tell the other person or they publicly declare their love and the marriage becomes real. They become a real boy. <laughs> and if it's, you know, the thing that they wanted in the beginning, the whole reason for the marriage that they find they're willing to give up, sometimes that's what it is. And that shows their growth. It shows that now, where, whereas they valued, you know, their citizenship, their company, their ranch more at the beginning, now they're willing to give it up for love because of all of these emotions that have happened. So we have a nice, healthy list of recommendations yeah. of marriages of convenience. Um, but and as we talk about these, I want to talk a, a bit about um, the falling in love and the character dynamics and the emotional journey that these couples go through. Um, and because, you know, TV and film, I have some film examples. And one of my favorites of these is the magic of ordinary days. Did you ever watch that? I know I told you about you it. You did. I did watch it. I, you insisted. And I was like, okay. And because I love mail order bride kind of things and mm -hmm. that whole thing. Yeah. I was on board. It was great. <laughs> Highly recommended. So the magic of ordinary days is all about um, this. Uh, this is at the end of world war two, I believe, or during world war two. And this female college student, gets knocked up by her professor and her father um, sends her off to this farmer to live with until the baby is born. And then the farmer is going to raise the baby. And they have to get married because it's the forties. Yes. It's the forties. And there is, so their emotional journey starts of like most of these do with some type of indifference or initial reluctance. She is definitely indifferent. She's, she's from the city. She's educated and she's being sent to live with this farmer and pretend to be his wife and take care of his smaller kids. And she's like, this is not the life that I've planned for myself. And she, and, he, and he's kind of reluctant too, because he's like, Ooh, this is not my idea. <laughs> Even though she's beautiful, this is not my idea of a perfect wife. So they, they kind of come at it where they're like, mm, there's, this is not going to work. And of course, 
It does. Of it does. <laughs> but I mean, also personality-wise, they're opposites. Not only city country, he's very taciturn and silent. You know, the strong silent type, of course. And yeah, she's had a totally different upbringing. She doesn't understand his life. And she's it's fish out of water also. Like, you know, yes. other tropes that we can talk about. Fish out of water, definitely opposites attract. Um, I'm sure there's more that I don't remember. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's such a good one. Highly, 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 highly. Do do what do what Leslie did and and take my recommendation. <laughs> it's a Hallmark movie too. Yeah, but it's it's an old school one. So mm -hmm. they were, you know, not to just Hallmark movies. But this is a higher quality one <laughs> than your average everyday Hallmark movie. Don't knock it. It's a billion dollar a year industry, Leslie. Not knocking it. <laughs> just saying. So one that I remember from when I was when I was young is Green Card with Andy McDowell and Gerard Depardieu. Um, I remember uh, I remember when Gerard Depardieu was the hot new thing because he was such an odd looking man. Do you remember this at all? I remember him being in a lot of stuff and me wondering why. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in this film Green Card where um, Andy McDowell's character wanted to wanted access to this condo that had a rooftop garden that she needed. She was some kind of a botanist, but the condo was only for married couples. And Gerard Depardieu's character was, a, I think it was a French chef and he needed his green card. So they agreed to get married so that they both can get what they wanted. And they, it was so awkward because you could see she was not attracted to this guy. He was kind of slovenly and a slob. And she was like, oh, my Lord. So that, so their part of their emotional journey was this awkward adjustment towards each other until they could see past outward appearances to the heart of who they actually were on the inside. I know I've seen this movie, but I saw it when it came out probably. And I have no <laughs> recollection of it. So. No but the whole condo thing. And so condo is a, is a great uh, you know, way to have this come about. I mean, you know, we're used to green cards, but I think that was just a little bit of an, a, a novel idea. But then the king of all green card movies is The Proposal, which yes. is one of the funniest movies yes. ever made. Yes. Like, just, I mean, anyone who hasn't seen The Proposal, whatever mood you're in, put it on, you will be dying on the floor laughing. Yes. Um, the Proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, hands down, one of the best movies, especially one of the best dance sequences ever <laughs> in films. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watching Sandra twerk. Yes, so I mean, Sandra Bullock, you know, <laughs> national treasure and so mean. And this movie, it's about the publishing industry. She's mm -hmm. a big, you know, and always watching Hollywood's version of how the publishing industry works is hilarious in and of itself. But she is a little older. She's his boss. She's mean. He, he brings her home to Alaska and she's Canadian. So she needs yes. a green card. Which is hilarious because Ryan Reynolds is Canadian. Yes. Yes. The meta-ness of it all. Um, but it's just, it's good. It's one of the best movies, one of the best rom-coms of all time. It needs to be on any, any list, I mm -hmm. think. Definitely. So the interesting thing about this film, because um, the, the roles were reversed. She, as she being the boss, told mm -hmm. him that he needed to marry her. And so they had already known each other, but they didn't know each other. Like he knew all of her quirks because he had to. She she knew barely nothing about him. She didn't know he and, was from Alaska. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, their emotional journey is about a growing appreciation towards one another from both sides because he had some misconceptions about her mm -hmm. and she had no knowledge of anything about it. <laughs> 
And that's one of those movies that I rewatch and look for when do they fall? Because they are really antagonistic toward each other for so long and just kind of like slowing it down. Like when, you know, you see them, they're forced. I mean, there's only one bed, like the whole tropes. Mm -hmm. trope. But um, yeah, in that movie, it's tough because it happens subtly, I think, which makes it, it good. But pinpointing that moment has always been one of the things I like to do. I can't remember if you liked the Netflix um, movie Purple Hearts. I did. I really liked it. And, uh, you know, Purple Hearts came out a couple of years ago. And it's Purple Hearts because it's red red state versus blue state. But I like things like that. I, I think. Oh, my God. I didn't make that connection. It took me a long time, too. <laughs> so the, she is sort of a social justice type of young woman who has diabetes and, and can't afford medicine. He's in the military. So he's red, you know. And uh, these two people should not get along in our current country, in our current world. But I don't know. I can't remember the reason he needed a wife, but she needed to get his medical benefits and he needed something from her. Oh, crap. I forgot, too. And they did not like each other at all. Aside from their political leanings, they were just opposites. Again, there was, was going to be money that he would get. He get. Yes. When they're married, they get extra money from the military. So it was a financial. And he needed it because something went wrong. It was a drug deal that he was like accused of or he had, somebody was dealing drugs. Yeah. But it wasn't him. It or maybe wasn't it was. him, but he, look at us. We're so prepared. I know, it right? wasn't him, but he needed to get, money to he a drug needed to get out of it. Right. Get his family member out of it. Something like that. And maybe yeah. you're not shouting at us, but I, I did see this movie and I liked it, <laughs> but it was a while ago. And yeah, it was really sweet. I mean, I thought that and she was a singer also. It was a cute movie. They they were able to overcome their differences in a way that I think is inspiring and in a way that I think, you know, this country needs to see more people being able to bridge those divides, even when they feel unbridgeable. But that's that. The opposites attract is all about like with the emotional journey of their feelings start to emerge and then they start to deny the mm -hmm. deeper, the deepening connection. We, that was really big because he, after kind of spoilers, but after they, after the fun and, and during the fun and games, when in a romance novel, it gets lots and lots of fun. Um, he's, he pulled back. Mm. Remember that he pulled back and I loved her response of really, is that how you're going to do it? Because now that you're having feelings, now you have to pull back from me. Okay, buddy, let's see how that's going to work out for you. There was a lot of conflict in that, you know, because the, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a point where he's injured and she has to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it took a while, but that, I think that's what makes it good. You know, when you have, when you make the road really difficult, it helps to... It helps when it finally kicks in, when you see their final wholeheartedness, if you've been through a lot, which as a writer is difficult for me because I don't like to put my characters through a lot, but you kind mm -hmm. of have to and make it worse for them. So then the other side, you get that emotional catharsis of them falling in love, admitting to each other, the grand gesture, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on towards books, um, steamy books. So there's two books, there's two series that I will... I get excited when there's new releases and I will go back and reread when there are not releases. And those are the interstellar brides by Grace Goodwin and chance Creek, the email order brides by, Oh crap. Corsine, Corsine, Corsine. <laughs> those two are my absolute favorite. So the interstellar brides, um, super crazy steamy, like from the first page. So, um, 
we know that there's aliens in this in this series, and the aliens are trying to help us out um, because there's threats that are that they're that the aliens are basically put themselves in front of um, between Earth and and the threat. Mm-hmm. But then in exchange, the aliens are like, we need women. We there's a shortage. We need women, and so a deal is made that. Um, so with the with the Interstellar Brides, there's a warden um, on Earth who is who's basically instituted this program. And at first, it's voluntary, but nobody's voluntary, so they go to the prison system. <laughs> I have not read this series. It sounds like I need to. Oh my to. god! It's so just prepare yourself. It's it's steamy from jump. Okay. So page one. In order to make sh- the way that they make sure that these that this will be a match because it's also matchmaking. It's not just marriage and convenience. It's matchmaking too. The way that they make sure that there is a match is they 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 dive into the woman's head and see what her sexual fantasies are. Oh wow! To make sure that she is compatible with these ah. warriors. Plural. Sometimes there's one. Sometimes there's two. Sometimes there's three warriors because sometimes they fight in a group. Uh-huh. Sometimes they fight by themselves. So it's a little bit reverse harem or why choose? Sometimes it can be one, two, or three. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And she's and when when the book opens, she is having her her um her sexual fantasies delved into and put on display. So as soon and so and then there is the sci-fi-ness of it where you know she's implanted with a chip so that she can be able to communicate with them. There are there, there's also the BDSM of it too, where she <laughs> there's a lot happening in these books. Not for the faint of heart. Talk about trope stacking, <laughs> right? Um, I love Grace Goodwin. It's it's a it's a writing duo. I think they're out. It's a writing duo, and they're both lovely women. Um, it's so unassuming too. You would not know to look at them. Um, they also have um, there's certain sexual. <sighs> The jewelry, let's say, that these women have to have sometimes surgically attached to themselves so that they can be able to please and submit to these warriors in a sexual way. And here's the thing. You might go into this thinking, what? All this submission. And then they make it make sense. Because the world that these warriors live in is so rough and so harsh that every single thing that they do is for her protection. And that's all they care about. Is she protected? And the the when it's when it's um two warriors or three warriors, one of their reasonings is that we fight so hard and and the 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 foe that we are up against is so dangerous that if one of us falls, we need to make sure that you're gonna be taken care of by somebody else. Hmm. Oh my gosh, if we have video, if you guys could see Leslie's face. <laughs> it does not sound like I will be reading this book. <laughs> but, my facial expression. but she is, once once they make sure that she is sexually compatible, she is zoomed off through a wormhole and the theory is tested. So she chooses, she's, it's like you get out of prison if you marry these three aliens. One to and three. Then, yes. Fascinating. <laughs> Try the first book. Try the first book and and just see. Because she she makes it make sense. These books were like $5 a pop. Mm. 35,000 words, $5 a pop. And I spent my grocery money (laughs) because they they were eating ramen. I was eating eating ramen with cabbage because I needed some vegetables. 
and I was not sorry. It's a ringing endorsement. If that is your <laughs> cup of tea, I'm I'm here for you reading these books. <laughs> Interstellar Brides, which is still ongoing by Grace Goodwin. And then there was the Chance Creek. I think I read the Chance Creek ones first. I've read some of those. I'm, I'm yeah, as I told you, mail order brides, top five also. Email order brides, even better. Why not? Email order brides. That's Loving where it. she had us. Yes. Loving it. So the first book, and I think it's called the Email Order Bride. The Soldier's Email Order Bride, something like that. We'll check. Yeah, you check. But um, and there, so the the heroine wants to be a mom, and she's tried dating, and it hasn't worked out for her. And so this is her last ditch effort. She decides she's going to do in vitro. She goes in and she gets it done. As she's um, as she has talked to the last guy online, like her last ditch effort when she was just like, screw this. And this soldier has put up a wanted ad. He wants to, he needs to have a bride and he's very open about what he needs and why grandma was it grandma or auntie it was auntie. Auntie has said in order for them to inherit the ranch that they grew up on, that they basically got kicked out of after their parents died and an evil uncle took over. Well, now the uncle has passed on and, and, and auntie, the, the, um, the ranch has reverted back to auntie and auntie said, if you want this ranch, you all of you brothers need to get married and one of y'all needs to have a kid within a year. Ticking time bomb. Everybody has yes. to do it. Got to get them all on board. And they're like, what are we? Because they're all in the service right now. They're all going to be separated from the service like within the year and they start to plan. <laughs> the Navy SEALs email order uh, guide. Because I think each brother was in a different branch yep. of the military. There's a soldier, Marine, another Navy. Oh no, Airman. Yes, every, every <laughs> branch is represented, I think. Mm -hmm. The um, it starts off with the two of them email the soldier who's still overseas emailing, and the woman who is about to get in vitro. She's emailing him back like they is yeah it in it the emails are perfection. <laughs> so yeah, it has the trope of correspondence right, which I don't usually like, but they were hilarious and they drew me in. And, you know, any trope that works really well, even if you don't like it, can work. You know, I read books with tropes. I do not like secret babies. But there are <laughs> secret babies I have enjoyed a lot. And it's just skill of the writer, just the way they do it. Yeah. There's a secret baby in this series, too. Mm. Did, you, did you get that far? Do I remember? do not remember. I think I did. I think I did read the secret baby one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. It's it's so good. They're all marriage of convenience. They all have to get married right soon at jump. And then they have to figure it out. And then the queen, who we've mentioned many times in this podcast already, of marriage of convenience, as far as I'm concerned, is Noelle Adams. Yeah. I went looking at her backlist, and there are at least three whole series mm -hmm. that are marriage of convenience. Mm -hmm. Plus, I'm sure there are many more that I missed in other series. But she's got convenient marriages series, trophy husband series, Buford bride series. She's an auto buy for both of us. Mm -hmm. And these none of these are going to steer you wrong. Did she? Because she has two pen names. Claire Kent is her other uh, parent. So no, it has to be the Noel Adams. She was doing like Christian marriage of convenience. Did you read any of those? Uh, were they Christian? They, there was a pastor involved in mm -hmm. as one of the love interests. When I first started reading her, she she writes all over the board. So I don't know if they were sweet books or they not. were not sweet. Okay, the pastor was one of the main characters, but they weren't sweet. And then they were not sweet, but they were Christian. They like, were yeah. preaching all over that book. Uh, yeah. Hey. And his pants were down. 
<laughs> there are plenty of Christians who don't want sweet books, I feel like, as, as a market that might be underserved. <laughs> I can't remember what the name of that book was if you if you showed it to me. It was it was a, it was a small series all in a town. Yeah, I don't think I, she has so many. It would be I know she has so we, we would be looking for days, but I I have not met a Nicole Adams book that I didn't like. Noelle. Except as, Noelle. See, I'm I'm mixing them up because I was thinking I'm still scared to read Claire Kent. Oh, I love Claire Kent too. That's another conversation. You know, I'm scared. That is another <laughs> conversation. Um, but you know, another one that we put on this, I saw you put Devil in Winter and we would probably have a fight with our audience because you know how people feel about Lord St. Vincent. True. We can just mention it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Devil in Winter is a marriage of convenience between Evie and Lord St. Vincent, the end. Right. <laughs> Put a comment on YouTube if you would like us to ever delve further into that controversy <laughs> or not. If you are by Lisa Clapis, for those who do not know. Yes, Lisa Clapis, who is an absolute goddess. And when you comment, you can let us know if you are team St. Vincent, team Derek Craven, or the correct team, Reese <laughs> Winterborn. Thank you very much. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to historical, one of my absolute favorites, and I, and I know you've read this too. Um, do you remember The Governess Affair? By Courtney Milan. I remember loving it. I don't remember anything that happens in it. Is that the one where the boxer? He's the boxer, or no? I've That's what he originally was. Yes. Okay. Then he I do was remember. It. Super smart. Um, and he became like the man of business. Yes. Courtney Milan is a writing goddess. I mean, I, I've given up so much of my life to her books, mm -hmm. and the Governess Affair is the beginning of the Brother Sinister series. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I think it's free everywhere, maybe, but like, yes, highly recommended. It's a novella. It's, this was the second book I ever read on Kindle. And it was, no, and it wasn't even on Kindle because she had it, um, it was only digital. It was a digital release. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't buy it in print. And so I remember I had a Windows computer. Oh, wow. Yes. And I it? downloaded the Kindle app on my Windows computer. And I started and I read this book, and this is what convinced me to buy the Kindle. This was oh the my goodness! It was the second book that I ever did this with, um, and I loved. It. I did not know that it was a novella. It's a freaking novella. It, it feels like a novel in my memory because does. it has the weight. It starts the series. It's such a, a complete story. It is so complete. Yeah. This is what. This is what. This is also the book when I read it for like the tenth or twentieth time. This was the book that convinced me that it was okay that I that I prefer to write novella length mm -hmm. because if you can do such a deep, fulfilling story mm -hmm. as the governess affair, yeah. Then yeah, because I'm not a wordy person. I you, I might talk a lot, but but when I sit down, I don't write very wordy, and it's she's concise and she packs a punch with every word. Courtney Milan is like an after-school special because she she's doing something historical, but she's always teaching you something mm -hmm. as she's writing these books. Oh, my favorite was um, A Kiss for Midwinter is one of my favorites mm -hmm. where she's teaching you about the history of condoms and you're like, what? She's very social con socially conscious as a human being and that goes into her writing, but you don't feel like it's you're being preached to. Mm -mm, it's no. a great story. It's a great mm -hmm. love story. No. But you're learning something like I learned about chemistry in the 1800s. About bicycles? Yeah. <laughs> She's, you're going to get so smart reading her book. Right. Start yeah. with The Governess Affair. Absolutely. Because The Governess, it, I think it was meant to be, um, she wrote it as a prequel to The, the mm -hmm. Brother Sinister because um, the babies that are in the, in, in, um, in the bellies 
of the heroine and um, other characters in that book become the heroes of the Brother Sinister. And every single one of those books is just perfection. We might even need to have a Courtney Milan day because I remember, I can't even remember which of the books, but there's, there's, I love when there's a, I sometimes get annoyed when there's a secondary love story in, in, in my book. Yeah. I love bonus love stories. Bring them on. But there's the one, it's the one where the girl dresses atrociously to try to keep yeah shooters off oh my and there's a secondary love story in this book Mm -hmm. that should have been its own novella Mm. oh it's so good anyway marriage of convenience um we didn't even talk about why that book wanted the government (laughs) affairs of marriage of convenience so this all we all we know is this woman keep keeps coming and sitting outside of the duke's house and the duke is freaked out about her he sends his man of business out to handle her basically because he has basically ticked off his wife yet again and he has to go and calm her down because she has all the money mm-hmm. and so the man of business goes and very slowly it's just so much fun and games so much fun and games yeah. in this book of the two of them banter all the banter they are getting to know each other but it's like they're playing chess with each other because they know he knows something's wrong mm-hmm. and she won't come out with it. And I can't say anything to spoil it, but except that these two end up in a marriage of convenience that is just. I might need to read that again, like today, because I, it's been a long time. You'll read it in an hour, Leslie. Yeah. Yes. It's so good. Another one of my very favorites, if we're in the fantasy romance sphere, from one of my very favorite authors is Grace Draven's Radiance. Radiance is a lot of people's entry to Grace Draven. I started Grace Draven with Master of Crows, also recommended, but not a marriage of convenience. But in this world, there is this race of beings that called the Kai. I think that's what they're called. And they they look they're like aliens kind of, but they're from this place. And so our human uh, heroine Ildiko has is a is she's a a niece of the king. So she all, she's always known that she was going to be given away uh, for a treaty, you know, in terms of her marriage. And she has this treaty with these, this race of nocturnal beings with sharp teeth and gray skin and yellow eyes. And they just look like beasts. They have the best meat cute in the entire world. And it's so sweet. Neither one of them wants to marry, but they're both, you know, they're going to do their duty because Brishan, who is her, um, her husband is a prince of the Kai and, and she has to travel and live among them. So it's fish out of water. She has to learn their traditions, eat their food, which the descriptions of the food, she finds their food disgusting. He finds potatoes disgusting. That is a thing that goes on through this series. Like the way he described to him, a potato is disgusting. They eat like scorpions and baked into pies. And she's like, I can't do this. But she knows she'll cause an international incident if uh, she doesn't eat this. And then there's intrigue and... It's a little heartbreaking, but it's a beautiful sort of Beauty and the Beast-ish, but not with the tropes, just because he looks like some kind of very strange monster that she has to marry. And they fall in love, and it's absolutely beautiful. And there's more books after that. Uh, but yeah, Radiance by Grace Javen. Fantastic. If you, you read the first free first chapter where they where they meet, if you're not in love with both of them by the end of that, then I don't know why you're reading romance novels. <laughs> I saw you have brought up the Duchess deal, Patessa Dare. 
I put that on the list, not because, well, because I love Tessa Tessadere. I'm always feeling like, okay, when I DNF books, who should I reread? And Tessa Tessadere <laughs> is, is one that I know that I'm going to like. So, yeah, they have, you know, I'm bad at remembering things. Oh, no worries. Girlfriend shows up on the Duke's front door in a wedding dress. Does that jog your memory? <laughs> Right. Yeah. She shows up on his on his on his doorstep in a wedding dress. Just he says, I need a wife because he needs yeah. to get married. He needs to um, marry. And this is kind of Beauty and the Beast, too, because he um, this I can't remember what his deformity was, but there was something wrong from the war. From the war. And when his fiance came back, she and saw him, she called off the wedding. She calls off the wedding. But the dressmaker has spent her last dime making this dress and she doesn't get paid. So she decides to show up on his doorstep in the dress and is like, you need to pay me. And he's like, how about I marry you instead? <laughs> That's just the best story. setup ever. It is. But here's the thing. And I'm going to read a little bit from the from the blurb. His terms are simple. They will be husband and wife by night only. No lights. No kissing. No questions about his battle scars. Last and most importantly, once she's pregnant with his heir, they need never share a bed again. And of course, that goes completely wrong. Because <laughs> when does that ever work? Never. Ever. Yeah. Tessa Dare is the goat. I think that uh, she needs to be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's like millions and millions of marriage yeah. of convenience stories. Um, these, I think these are a few of the favorites. We have others on the list, but it's... There's so many. And I mean, when they're done well, they're just so satisfying. They are. Because they have to work it out. It's for they're forced to work it out. And that's just my problem solver mind just loves to watch the, the problems come up and then hack away at it. I love it. I will mention one more because mm-hmm. I do love JT Geisinger, who I've mentioned on the podcast before. A newer one as of the time of recording. I think her latest book or one of her latest books, Liars Like Us. Um, no, this because the second one just came out. So this was the first in the new series. And it is over the top. <laughs> it is bananas. She is a bookstore owner. And um, the big box chain comes in right next door to her tiny little you know, community bookstore, going to put her out of business. All of her employees are like family and they all need their jobs really badly. And then, you know, this, the most handsome man she's ever seen comes and offers her this deal. And she doesn't know about him. And he is, I mean, it's bananas over the top contemporary, contemporary romance, if you like that kind of thing. But yeah. I recommend it. I, like <laughs> I don't want to give it too much away because, you know, everything is not as it seems. Mm. And when you, if you pick up the, the clues as you go along, you're like, wow. But if, even if you don't, and you, when it's revealed at the end, you're like, wow. Very satisfying. Well, wow. Uh, we have just exploded people's TBR lists. Right. That's what we do here. We That's- were a purveyor of books. <laughs> And speaking of TBRs, anything that you've been reading lately that you just have to share with the group? Yes, I mentioned it before, but I will definitely recommend The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. I know I'm late to the party on this. I just read this book, but it is A Marriage of Convenience. And it is a little bit different 
um, super slow burn, slowest of burns. And it is about a football star and his assistant who she quits and because he is very cold. He's not cruel. He's not mean. He's not a bully. Uh, he's very professional. And she actually really respects him. But he doesn't have any noticeable emotions at all <laughs> for much of the book. But the way that the author like takes you through this, and it's one of those ones where it's a single POV, and I'm reading very carefully to find out when is he falling? What are the clues that I'm getting? And it takes a long time. Slow burn. You've I've never read a slower burn. Like, <laughs> but by the time you get to the end where it's on fire, it's all worth it. And like those kind of things. Slow burn is not my favorite thing. Although I don't mind it all the time when it's done well, but sometimes it's boring. This was not boring. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I'm like, why is this not a movie? Why have they made other movies and not this? Like, I feel like this should have been a movie years ago. It was great. What about you, Inez? What are you reading anything? So I am reading something, but I also I was talking to you earlier about I'm looking at the um I'm studying right now. I'm, I'm always studying. I'm studying Marvel's um five part finale. So I've been rewatching the ones with the love story because so many Marvel movies follow the hero's journey where the hero can't end up with the woman at the end because it's just a stupid thing. Um, but I've rewatched Thor, Black Panther, which is perfection remains perfection um the incredible hulk um the one with ed norton and um Liv tyler oh that one is it's it's also perfection and dr strange and um gardens of the galaxy because i'm looking at the five-part finale so that's what i'm actually doing but what i what the book that i just finished i was on a road trip to um, pennsylvania and i popped in i just wanted to be able to drive and finish something Mm-hmm. And I popped in Frankie Loves, the ma- the, the Mountain Man's Mail Order Bride. <laughs> <laughs> Mail Order Brides. Right. So, and these were all short books. So, yeah. And she knows, Frankie knows how to pack a punch in a short amount of time. And so these were all like mountain men who were like, I'm tired of society. I'm going to go away. However, I'm still a man. I'd still like a woman. And they were just all like perfectly matched. One was a novelist who wrote a book, like a 75,000 word book in a week. And (sighs) meanwhile, he gets her from the airport and she is everything that he didn't know he wanted. And they spend a wild night, like immediately they're like into each other and they spend a wild night together and, and she inspires him so much that he goes into his office and he's like, don't bother me. (laughs) <laughs> he leaves her alone. He, meanwhile, in his mind, he's like, "She has inspired me. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. This book is gonna be the best thing ever. I can't wait to show it to her." And meanwhile, it's like seven days have passed. He left <laughs> his office, and she's like, "I've been abandoned out in the middle of nowhere. I, this is awful." Yeah. So it's, it, 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 of course, it's romance. It, it works out. But um, yeah. So I'm still, even to this day, you say mail order, you say bride. I'm there. Yeah. Absolutely. So guys, we thank you so much for joining us on this episode, all about one of our all-time favorite tropes, marriage of convenience. We hope that you learned a lot and you got a lot of really good things to add to your TBR and read. Please let us know what you think. You can leave a comment on YouTube with your thoughts on the episode. You can also share it with a friend who loves romance, especially marriage of convenience. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
And you can always check out our book schedule on our website, inkandmagic.net. We're back in the next episode with the next side changeling novel. And we'd love for you to read along with us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.